0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. John Su. John is the chair of the Department of Radiation Oncology here at Cleveland Clinic. He's talking to me today about leadership in cancer care so welcome john
1: thanks dale for inviting me to this podcast
0: absolutely maybe you could start by just giving us a a little background on what your role is here at cleveland clinic
1: sure i started here at cleveland clinic back in 1990 as an intern and i progressed to resident and fellow i specialize in treatment of brain and spine tumor patients i have an interest in stereotactic radiosurgery and stereotactic body radiotherapy I became chair of the department in 2006, so my role is to help lead the patient care, research, education, and culture within the Department of Radiation Oncology here at the Tosic Cancer Institute. I'm very fortunate uh, to work with some tremendous caregivers who believe in the core missions of the Cleveland Clinic, uh, its values, uh, its priorities, as well as its vision to provide the best care possible for its patients, and also to be the best place to work in healthcare.
0: So we're going to talk a little bit about leadership today, and and you mentioned that 2006 you became the chair. But if you sort of think back, what do, what do you think was your your first leadership role?
1: So that's uh, you know I, I've actually reflected on that uh, in terms of my first leadership role. I suspect you know leadership probably probably being a bigger uh, older brother. Uh, I have a younger brother, Steve who's an ophthalmologist, and you know, being the older brother, I had to share with him you know, what was the difference between right and wrong, also share with him what the right behaviors and actions would be. So I would say my first role as being a leader was actually being a, an older brother overall, and obviously learning from my parents uh, as well. But uh, I would say that was really my first role in kind of understanding the impact I could have as being a uh, you know, person I, del- I related with closely, which was my younger brother.
0: So that's a really an important point, because sometimes you think about a, a role related to your occupation. But um, I think it brings home the point that leadership has many, many uh, faces and we're leaders in many, many ways. And I guess one thing maybe for your view on this um, leader versus manager, um, when we think about leadership and, you know, what, what's the difference between the two?
1: So in my mind, i like to quote from Peter Drucker, a leadership guru, in terms of the difference between managing and leading. And his thoughts are that management is doing things right, while leadership is doing the right things. So when I first started as a chair, I was very much going into the weeds and becoming a manager, trying to take care of many things myself, rather than having others around me, leveraging the strengths and talents of the co-workers and caregivers to make the change, believing in them. Uh, so it's very important that as a leader, you lead, do the right things, have your actions, behaviors, emulate what you would like others to do, and lead the management to those who are hired in those positions.
0: So you took on that, the uh, chair position 14 years ago, and, and you were thrust into a role as a leader. And were you ready? If you, if, as you look back now, were you ready? from a leadership standpoint it's like what did i get into
1: so i've also reflected on that question quite a bit as well and i remember um, when i was thinking about leadership opportunities uh, back in around 2005 2006 i really had to look myself into a mirror and to say to myself whether or not leadership was the right thing for me to do Uh, i knew that uh, any leadership opportunity would take extraordinary work also would take time away from my family, which at the time was a a young family, and at the time I had a a four-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son. Uh, So I had to do a lot of soul searching in terms of whether or not this is something I really wanted to do. I think for me, when the option came up uh, to potentially become the chair uh, of the Department of Radiation Oncology at Cleveland Clinic, it was really something I thought about long and hard, partly because I, as I shared with the, the listeners, I trained here at the Cleveland Clinic, so I've been here for a very long time. So when the opportunity arose that for someone who trained here to have the opportunity to help lead and influence the department, that I thought to be a tremendous uh, honor and privilege. So that's why I decided to become the chair, and I was fortunate to be selected as chair of the Department of Radiation Oncology at, at the Tosset Cancer Institute. I had a lot of ups and downs, uh, I'll be very honest, uh, it was very tough. I would say the first couple of years I was chair, uh, I've never worked as hard in my life partly because I wanted to see transformation occur and also to make sure that we continued to this upward trajectory of going from, as Jim Collins puts in this book, from good to great. So, you know, what we needed. So one of the first actions I did uh, was to do a SWOT analysis. A SWOT stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. So I sat down and put together what I thought were the strengths of the department, what the weaknesses of the department were, what the opportunities were, as well as the threats. Uh, so this actually helped me in trying to figure out how to best guide and align the department uh, to become better in patient care, research, education, and most importantly, culture.
0: So I know some of the things you've uh, you've written about uh, leadership, you've you've uh, you know sort of suggested that certainly leadership is something that can be taught and can be learned. Um, what's the best way to do that? What do you what do you think is the best way for someone who wants to learn more about leadership or become a better leader, what's the best way for them to tackle that?
1: So I think to become a better leader, uh, you need to want to become a better leader. So for me personally, um, I read a lot of leadership books. I listen to podcasts about leadership. I watch leadership behaviors. Um, And just as an example, I recently watched the show, uh, the, the documentary, The Last Dance, which talked about the bulls, you know, six championship run in basketball. I'm talking about the last year uh, of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bills winning their sixth championship. And while watching that documentary, it became very clear that each person had different roles in terms of leadership. So in terms of leadership, uh, it's something that if you really want to become a better leader, it's important that you listen, you learn, try to mimic those type of behaviors and ultimately that becomes a a reflex becomes a stronger muscle for you and as a result you become a stronger leader so for me personally uh, being in the role that I'm in uh, I have really taken leadership to heart one of the best things that happened to me as part of my leadership development was I was offered the opportunity in 2011 to go through executive coaching At the time, uh, upper leadership here at Cleveland Clinic felt that I had opportunities to become a better leader, and I embraced that challenge. And as a result, I had an executive coach who worked with me for approximately 18 months. And one of the first tasks that he did was he actually uh, asked me to go uh, find individuals who'd be very candid about what my strengths and weaknesses were as a leader. And as a result of that report, he presented me a 17-page report of all the things I was doing wrong as a leader. Which was quite humbling. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know, I thought that I was doing some things well, but obviously many felt that I was not doing a lot of things well. So as a result, I took that to heart and decided to learn and become a better student of leadership. And as a result, I was able to uh, help improve um, a lot of different domains that are important in competencies, becoming a better leader, one of which is emotional
0: intelligence. So tell me a little bit more about emotional intelligence and how that ties into leadership.
1: So emotional intelligence is one of the most influential books for me in terms of my leadership journey. It's a terrific book by uh, Daniel Goleman. and it really talks about how emotional intelligence is a much better predictor of success rather than IQ. And according to the book, it's about a four times better predictor of success. So if you think about emotional intelligence, there are domains that you can control and there are domains that are outside your influence, but you can certainly influence. So You can think of emotional intelligence that if you're presented with a situation which is very um, stressful, very uncomfortable, how do you deal with that situation? So if you think about the domains of emotional intelligence, in my mind, it starts with self-management. So what can I do as a person to control my emotions, adapt to changes, uh, be positive in face of negative circumstances, try to continue to achieve and uh, do more? Another domain is self-awareness. You know, how do my emotions deal with my surroundings, my interactions, my phone calls, the emails that I may receive? So those are two domains you can clearly control in terms of self-awareness and self-management skills. And then it leads to social awareness. Social awareness is your empathy. You know, how do you deal with someone who is hurting, someone who is having pain? And obviously, being cancer physicians, we both know that that's very important in terms of providing best care possible. Sometimes the outcome is not what we want or what the patient wants, but showing that empathetic manner, the behaviors to the patients and families can make a big and important difference. And also the social awareness is, you know, what does the organization, what does the people around you want in terms of making them better overall? And finally, it deals with relationships. Relationships, I would argue, is the, the toughest part of emotional intelligence because it deals with influencing, coaching, mentoring individuals, Trying to deal with conflict, which as a leader, you will come up with conflict. So those are very important in terms of, you know, how do you drive those ideal relationships? So those four components of self-management, self-awareness, social awareness, and relationship management is really important in terms of trying to drive the best behaviors, the best actions of not only yourself, but the people around you.
0: So you mentioned, uh, you, you just mentioned mentorship and coaching, and and you mentioned the executive coaching that you received. When should people who are interested in learning more about leadership, when should they be thinking about reaching out to look for resources for coaching or mentoring and and, and how should they sort of approach that as a resource?
1: So I believe that uh, everyone, even if you don't want to become a leader, can benefit from coaching and mentorship. So it doesn't need to be a, f- a formal process. It could be your friend, it could be your wife, it could be your brother, it could be one of your coworkers, just asking them. what could I be doing differently? Do you have some candid thoughts about uh, what is going well, what is not going well? So I think in terms of the coaching and mentorship part, that can start at a very early age. And and if I think back at uh, when I was involved with sports or involved with uh, music, that, you know, I had a music teacher, I had a sports coach that would tell me what I was doing correctly, what I could be doing better. So I think there are Plenty of opportunities dealing with coaching and mentorship. I personally believe that coaching and mentorship is really important if you want to embrace continuous improvement, which is also another core belief of mine that there's always a chance to become better and stronger at anything that you do in life, uh, in particular, uh, leadership. A recent book that I read that was uh, very influential is a, a book by James Clare. It's a book called The Atomic Habit. And the premise of this book is that each of us can become better at a particular task if we really want to be better at that task and he talks about this one percent better role so if you can become one percent better each day at a particular task if you compound that over a period of a year you're actually 34 times better at that task obviously for many tasks you know, if you ask me um, for instance i play tennis and you know, if i practice one percent more tennis each day will i a like 34 times better tennis player obviously not Uh, But it is actually a really good thing to think about in terms of trying to become better in in terms of, you know, your various aspects. And for me, leadership is something that I think about a lot. And how can I tweak my leadership to become a better, stronger, and more capable leader?
0: In terms of the importance of mentorship, I like how you pointed out that a mentor doesn't necessarily have to be a a colleague or peer or someone in your specialty. Oftentimes, we think of our colleagues as peers or someone that we've trained with or something, so... I like the fact that you, you pointed out that it can be anyone.
1: Oh, no, no, absolutely. You know, the, the, the mentorship and coaching piece, you know, sometimes I will watch a, a movie or a TV coach and say, wow, that's, that, was, that was a really good line or the way they handled that situation was really ideal. Let me put that in my reserve maybe uh, when I'm faced with a similar type of situation. So coaching mentorship is always around us. We just have to seek it and look at it, observe it. The nice thing about leadership is that if leadership is done really well, it's something that you can witness, you can feel. Uh, it's, there's a very visceral feeling that that was true leadership that I'm witnessing or I'm hearing or I'm seeing.
0: So anyone that's sort of setting out to to work on their leadership style, if you will, or method has to start somewhere, and they have to pick a way to to approach things as a leader. What What guidance could you give to people in terms of where do you start? Like how there are different approaches to leadership. How does someone best sort of start at least with what works for them?
1: So my suggestion is that one way of starting is actually trying to figure out what your strengths are. Uh, Another influential book that I have used is a book by Tom Rath called Strength Finders 2.0. This is a survey, this is a a small book. You actually start out with doing a survey I believe it's around 160 questions. And ask asks a question such as, when you play a game, do you want to win or do you want to do your best? And depending on how you answer these particular questions, you're categorized into 34 different strengths overall. And these strengths, uh, just as an example for, for, for myself, my strengths are uh, achiever, focus, responsibility, learner, uh, and competitiveness. So my styles are very much an execution type of style. I like to get things done and realizing that learning my strengths, I can build on those strengths. So what I would suggest for those who are interested in starting the leadership journey, I would maybe first start out by getting that book, seeing what your strengths are, and then trying to figure out how you can best leverage uh, those strengths. And the nice thing about the books for each category, it gives an example of, what does an achiever look like? And what are the downfalls of being an achiever? Uh, for instance, uh, being more of an execution mindset, I have to be very careful that I don't continue to have that mindset for everybody because that could lead to burnout with my colleagues, for instance. So I think that's very important. So I think number one is figuring out what your strengths are. And number two is just taking inventory of what you ultimately are gonna make you happy overall. And I'm a big believer that if you, you are able to find a job a position that makes you happy, makes you fulfilled, gives you a sense of purpose. That alarm clock wakes you up early in the morning, you're up and ready for the challenge. I think that also helps in trying to figure out what you'd like to do. But leadership is is really important. And obviously for all of us, having a good leader that we can look up to, someone that we work with each day, is really important in making the day go really well. Obviously all of us face challenges in life and whatever we can do, uh, whether not we're a leader or not, can make a true difference, and, and I would say that that's uh, really important for me personally.
0: So, as the chair of a department, when you have people that you've pulled into leadership roles, do you have something in place where you know clearly this is something that you're very passionate about? Do you do you uh, sit them down and talk to them about it and provide some structure for them to to flourish in that role as a leader?
1: One of the first things I do when having a conversation about if their interest in leadership is to ask them candidly, is this something that you want? Like many things in life, uh, if this is not a role that they want, it's something I certainly would not want to push them into. Although there are certain circumstances where you can sense someone has the abilities, the competency to become a good leader, and sometimes you have to coach them to see the opportunities of, of being a leader. Becoming a leader and coaching someone to become a leader, I think it has to start with the individual. If the individual wants to become a leader, it's certainly something I am happy to sit down with them and, and provide whatever coaching mentorship is available to make them become a stronger and more capable leader.
0: Well, you've certainly provided some uh, insights. And I'd like to remind people that you actually tweet about this on a, on a regular basis. So um, I'd encourage them to uh, follow you and 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 read along here at dr. John sue on Twitter get some insights so any additional comments about uh, leadership
1: well for, first Dale I just want to thank you again for giving me the opportunity to do this podcast this is actually my very first podcast so so I will definitely put this in my memory book and my my achievements book that I have in my desk in terms of a first for me. But I'll just leave uh, the uh, listeners with one thought. This is a thought by John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States. Some of you may not remember who he is. He's, he's not the, the Washington, the Lincoln president that some, a lot of us think about. But there's a quote that I really like that, uh, that really encapsulates how I think about leadership. His quote goes something like this. Uh, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader.
0: Very good. Well, thank you very much for joining us.
1: All right. Thanks, Dale.
0: This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash Cancer Advances Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.